Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, a part of the Beasley Media Group, and 97.5 HD2, Jeff. We always forget to mention that. Ready to help you move the into deuce. the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. <laughs> Dynamite dropping money. <laughs> all right, everybody. We got Isn't Keith. that your dream? You always wanted to be on the deuce? That's right. <laughs> we got Keith Pompey joining us in a few minutes when we connect to him on Zoom. We'll, we'll pot him up on the show, but... Mm. Jeff, I will start with my weekly question. Did you watch Thursday Night Football? No, I did not watch it because I did not want to watch Urban Meyer. Oh, come although, on, man. Although, had I, had I known that he was going to have his little temper tantrum afterwards it and, was... and talk about how he knows they're so much better. If there was ever a game for you to enjoy the how many games did he how many games did he lose total? When not he was as many Ohio as he's State. lost in a row in the NFL right now. If you if you ever were to enjoy the ecstasy and then agony of Urban Meyer in front of you on TV, it was the game last night, which actually turned into a rather entertaining game by the time it was done. One at the at the whistle at the end, and it was an entertaining thing to watch you missed it Jeff. so here's the important thing yes. for all those urban meyer haters of which i am one yes he now goes down in history uh, right now as the the part of the longest losing streak second longest losing streak in nfl history i'm sure that makes so it's, and soon he could make the longest nfl history i'm sure that makes you very yeah. very happy it does watch <laughs> watching him go because here's my i do have a concern whether his heart's going to be okay Oh, man, because that ain't because, right. Because, no, no. I don't, I, wish I don't for health or anything. No, I don't. I want him to be okay, but if you remember why he left Florida. I know. You don't believe the original Florida excuse yes. of his heart problems. I get it. But for our listeners who don't remember, he said he had heart problems, left Florida, and then was at Ohio State like a couple days later, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Magically was uh, cured. Leaving behind a, a train wreck of a program. So we'll leave that game there. If you weren't watching that, uh, were you just watching the end of the Phillies Bengals, season? Bengals-Jaguars. I don't understand how that appeals to anybody, including people in Jacksonville and Cincinnati. I'm not sure. I, I guess I mean, it's part of the rotation. Like, every team gets a Thursday night game, so they just decided to not so the NFL. The so the NFL Network has decided that it does not want to be successful, is what I can conclude. Because you would think they would have total power over which games they actually get for their own network, and they pick the worst games every week. Well, they're trying not to like take away eyeballs from their Sunday night game, which they're yeah, but that's a, there <laughs> they've are got like the Adele song as a part of the marketing. For there it. are there are over a dozen games every week. They can't say, okay, we'll take the second worst game instead of the worst game every week. Are you excited? It's football season. Like I know you're apparently a you're not. A <laughs> I know you're a tortured fan to begin with because yes. of who you root for, and I uh -huh. obviously. Had the fun of watching the Eagles on Monday night, which we'll get to, unfortunately. Yeah, I got the I got the text from my kid. Owen seventeen was what I got the text. Of. I'm sure you appreciate yeah. it, and I'll get it much. every week until they win, did if you, they ever win. Did you write back to him after the Eagles lost to Dallas with the score? Yes, I wrote back. I said, "There's no W in Eagles." So that's actually the reason I didn't mm -hmm. text you during the Giants game, is I had concerns about the Eagles game, and I didn't want to just get it back, which was also why I didn't text you during the Rutgers Michigan game. Has Not, has there ever been a point in your or a sports fandom that you have gone into a game or a season where you have felt confident? No. <laughs> <laughs> Even in the 2000s? That, that pretty much sums up everything. I think, the, I think the closest I've been to confident was when the Eagles signed Terrell Owens in 2004. I think that season, the excitement going and into And that went it, off the rails. <laughs> well, they made it to the Super Bowl. 
just kind of didn't work out. It was the, the next the game, season but, that worked out yeah, really well. It yeah. You know, it didn't end well, but, you know, what can you do? But I think that's the only time I've actually felt confident as a fan going into a season. I mean, this season, you know I have no expectations. Like, I was telling you before the show— when we did the season picks, mm -hmm. I, I had them at six and eleven, and now last week I went through it, and I'm having a hard time getting to the six win. Oh. <laughs> like, so what are the five? So they, you would think they would win one against Washington and one right. against the Giants, okay. so at least they split because yeah. you know whatever. that's three. Okay, then they play the Jets. That's four. And then they play the <laughs> and then they play the Lions. That's five. But and that'll be a competitive uh, 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 game because the Lions are better. Yes. But like the sixth, I had assumed would be yeah, Carolina. But the, but the Eagles don't have a kicker who can kick it over sixty-five yards. That was crazy. Did yeah. you see Justin Tucker kick? He, he he is he the greatest kicker in the history of the NFL? By the way, is Keith just going to make us talk the whole show? I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Well, there are stories breaking left and right. So if we if we don't get him, I think we <laughs> have to understand. I don't know what stories you're talking just about. Chaos. It's a quiet week in Camden. There's nothing going on with the Sixers. It's just a regular ho hum training camp. You would you would have thought that they would get through at least the first week before the whole Ben Simmons thing would blow up. No, but that was the whole reason he didn't want to be here. Apparently, they they only were able to do it for three days. All right, l let's talk about it a little bit before Keith gets on because we'll mm -hmm. ask him the actual facts. Mm -hmm. But right now, we can just speculate on the speculation and the reports, which you can't stand anyway. Mm -hmm. What do you believe of what you're hearing out there? So far, we've seen reports from all different people that Ben is willing to sit out. The Sixers believe they don't have to pay him. Well, wait, are you going to ask me 17 different facts and then ask me to go back, or you want to go one at a yeah, time? Yeah, because if I ask you 17 questions, that's a boring show. It's me talking a lot with you answering a couple Well, but I don't, I don't want you to give me like this run-on question and then let me have to remember, because I don't have the memory that I can go back and do that. So we've arrived at the real problem. Exactly. <laughs> it's my, it's my, my memory. <laughs> All right. What's your take on where it is now in terms of well, ugliness? Well, we can establish a couple things based on what we've seen. I'll, I'll go with the lawyer, Jeff. Okay. So, Ben Sim whether establish ben Sim the facts of the case, whether, counselor. Whether Ben Simmons is going to hold out? Yes, he hasn't shown up. <laughs> he's not there, so we know he's not here. But today was a significant day. Because he didn't get paid. Because for our listeners, the way his contract was written, he was due $8 million today. I believe he still owed $8 million from July, so they owed like $16 million in total, but $8 million was due today. Well, And the question was, were they going to pay him the money if he didn't report? And the answer appears to be right now, He ain't no. getting his money. Uh, you know, we'll see what Keith's hearing about it. He may be writing about it now. We'll, we'll see. We're obviously on the radio, but if you believe all the things you're reading out there, Ben's not going to have eight million dollars deposited. Ben in his is bank account never today. after what Embiid said. Not that he was going to beforehand, but uh, he's not coming. Have you what, ever? What Joel and Ben is is the most thin-skinned athlete you can imagine, and and that was before this. And and Joel, who I guess doesn't have that thick a skin either decided that when the report came out that Ben thinks that the Sixers were building around Joel, Joel decided that was it. That was the end of it. So and, and, and what and and Joel should not have done what he did. As as great as it is for us, as great as it is for reporters, what he should not have done is said what he said. Because because now he's there are chances to get anything good has gone down, and then he decided to break his own story about Jimmy Butler in the middle of that. 
So how surprised <laughs> were you that that happened yesterday? For our listeners, Joel didn't hold back. He said, our teams have always been been built around his needs, referring to Ben. So it's just kind of surprising to see, even going back to the reason we signed Al, meaning Horford. Yep. We got rid of Jimmy, meaning Butler, which I still think was a mistake just to make sure he needed the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't be more by the clear way, I, about your opinion about what went on yeah, than that. By the way, I, I, I don't believe that part of the story. I don't think that's the reason they got rid of Jimmy. I think that there was more to it than that, than just Ben. But the fact is, the team has had to be built around Ben and not Joel because Joel is a diverse center. He can play outside. He can play inside. We get frustrated sometimes that he plays outside so much. You had to build around your other star because he was unwilling to use the skills that he's supposed to be able to have if you're a point guard. So, so, so he's right about that. The question is whether or not he should have said it and whether it was in the best interest of his team to say it. So that's Joel's side. Yeah. Could Ben's side be handling this any worse? No. <laughs> no. Like from a, from, and, from and an actual basketball side. I, I would like to find the person in the NBA whether it be front office, coach, player, ball boy, ball girl, uh, locker room attendant, that would agree that Ben is handling this in any semblance of a mature way. He could not look like less of a good teammate than he has acted throughout this whole situation. And wherever he goes, they are going to have to cringe and hope that it works out because Ben is the biggest sulker that you could possibly imagine. This is part of the problem, too. People he will, caused this. People will say, well, Ben's not saying anything. No, but the people are speaking on his behalf, and he could stop it if he didn't want it out there. And this is, you know, there's many who believe, and obviously... Here's the thing that, you, that, that people should always understand. If you are represented by counsel, you can take the advice of counsel, or you can decide that you want to do what you want. They work for you, okay? So if, if any of this is not true, it's pretty simple. Ben can go out and talk. Ben's in hiding. So, so I'm ask, Where is he? I'm going to ask you a question because you dropped a note in here that under the NBA news portion, not the Sixers portion, but I think it, it's a really nice contrast with Ben oh, the and, Dan, and the what's Lillard happened situation. this offseason. Just so to make Sixers fans Damian a little less Lillard happy. said that watching Giannis win a title in Milwaukee has made him even more motivated to stay in Portland and win one there. So your question to me was, do you believe him or is he just saying the right things? But before I answer that, because no, I don't believe him. I think mm-hmm. he wants out of Portland, and right. I think he's I think he's handling it the way a superstar who wants to leave should handle it. Wait, you so sh- you just answered the question. I answered your question, right. but my question is, would Ben Simmons ever have the maturity to do that, to look himself in the mirror and say, it makes me want it more? Because so far, he's looked at everybody else and said, it's your fault. Ben doesn't care about winning. When have you ever thought that Ben cared about winning? He didn't. All Ben cares about is Ben. That's the, this is pretty simple. We could, we could drop the mic right here. But the whole thing with Lillard, I do believe him. I do believe that I believe that it he, motivates him more. Wait, wait, I don't you had it. your chance. All right. I believe that when Dame Lillard says that I watched Giannis and it made me want to win in Portland more, that he has been part of that community for long enough that he does want it to succeed. Whether or not you get to the trade deadline and the Portland, the latest Portland experiment fails is a whole different thing. But I believe that he's come into the season committed. 
What I do know is that Ben has come into the last at least four seasons not committed because the thing that he can't do is the thing that you can work on. Free throws are practice. That simple. He can shoot them, though. He doesn't want to. No, he's afraid to. Yes, That's his whole different situation. So it's not about... No, no, but he's not a great free throw shooter. No. But he can become a better one by practice, and that's what he's not doing. Shaq called out Ben, says he's going about it the wrong way. You have to look in the mirror and say, am I as good as I can be? He's going about it all wrong. He could have gone into the office and say, hey, my feelings are hurt. You guys didn't stick up for me. I'd like to professionally ask for a trade. The question is, does anyone want him? I'm not paying $200 million for a guy who will not be aggressive and will not shoot at playoff time. Is that what Daryl Morey is encountering now as the Sixers try to move him? Who wants to pay $200 million for the product they saw on the floor as opposed to the potential that everybody thought has been there? Yeah. Is that is that the problem that they're running into now? That they Because I have told you, I, I think eventually they, they will do the Portland deal. Even though that's not the yeah, sexy but the Port- deal the that Portland everybody wants. The deal you're talking about is McCollum, not Lillard. Not Lillard. Right. I think that they will get McCollum and Covington in a draft pick. And I'm, Covington. I, I'm of the opinion that <laughs> I don't want to give other players that we think are going to be a part of this up because we have to throw good money to get rid of our bad money that we've spent for our player who well, wait. is sulking uh, you, and doesn't you, want to be you here. Would not try, when, you, when you say you don't want to give up other players, you obviously val- you valued them more than I did since day one with regard to Maxi. Are you telling me that if, that if, if it were Simmons and Maxi in a pick for Dame Lillard, you wouldn't do it? I'll consider that more, but what I don't no, no, want to no, do— No, 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 I want an answer, not I'll consider it. The, the deal's on the table right now. I'm calling you as Portland, and I'm offering that deal, and you're yeah. in charge of the Sixers right now. You doing it? Yes, yes or no? Yes, I would do okay, it. Right. I would do it because of Embiid and his age and his health, but what I don't like is that I am basically throwing away good money. I, Ty, Tyree, he's going to be a player in the, in the Why league. Why are you throwing away good money? Because you have to get rid of Ben because you didn't handle no, this right, not, and he it, didn't handle If you get right. Lillard— you're not getting Lillard because you wanted him at the start. You're getting him because you're over a barrel and have to get rid of him. That's the best you can get, which I think is a better option. But their intent—I'm only looking at it from the their sector. intent was never to have Lillard. Their intent was to make it work with Simmons. Well, they're yeah. doing it because they can't make it work with Simmons. Well, uh, I—that's the one thing I disagree with. It's you know, uh, we we criticize the Sixers a lot over the years. We've had we've had to endure the whole process thing. This is not the Sixers' fault. The only thing the Sixers can be blamed for is trying too much to try to make this work. They should have gotten rid of him a year earlier. Uh, They thought they could make this work, and the problem was it was never going to work because Ben wasn't committed to it. It is the Sixers' problem because they set the preconditions of coddling him when he was drafted. That is why it is the Sixers' problem, because he didn't like it when they finally tried to crack down and not accept his, his effort that he wasn't giving for them. That and wasn't going to make like that. that wasn't going to make him work harder. Look Th- at him; he he sits there and he hides. Then you don't give him the extension. Then you had to. Well, apparently you didn't. Well, wait, what were you going to do? Were you just going to let him go for nothing? Well, now you're going to let him go and trade other pieces, and you don't know what you're going to get. And you might get something back. You might. But you could you could not let him go under you know, the circumstances you know what I know, of what their process. Do you was. know what I know for sure? More than might. Yeah. The last time the Phillies made the playoffs, the process hadn't even started yet. And? It's a really long time, Jeff. Oh, well, it's going to be another long time. If the, if the, it, at this point, I believe what you need to do is you just need to say, all right, Ben, you want to sit home 
go fight, go file a lawsuit, whatever the hell you want to do. You go ahead and try to get your check. We're not writing it for you. Okay. So go do what you need to do. If you want to come here, we have told you time and time again that we welcome you here. We want you here. If you're going to bust your butt the way that your teammates are going to do and you want to come in, come. And then, by the way, behind the scenes, if the rest of the league sees that you're willing to at least pretend to be a good teammate, then maybe we can do something. But as long as you're not, there's real, I'm not, we're not just going to give you away for trash. You burst my bubble because buried in one of Keith's stories about Simmons was Joel Embiid being in noticeably better shape, slimmed down, and you said... That won't last. <laughs> no, what, I, what I'm telling you, as so, as somebody who's gone to enough media, that's not the text message I got, by the yeah. way, ladies and gentlemen. So, so, <laughs> so, as somebody as somebody who has gone to a lot of media days, one of the the prevailing stories on day day one is Joel has come into camp in great shape. He always looks better when he comes down and sits in that sits at that podium and answers questions on day one at camp. And then what happens is, and, and I'm not disparaging Chick-fil-A, I'm just <laughs> letting you know that Chick-fil-A seems to play a big role once camp starts. I don't know where he's gone that it doesn't play a big role before camp starts, but then all of a sudden the rookies are going and buying him Chick-fil-A. And, and, and then as the season goes on, he wears down. Okay, and he doesn't seem to be, and, and he doesn't seem to be, his muscles don't seem to be defined. And there's, a, it, it Look, I hope I hope that's the case. He seemed to have last year turned a corner and be more committed. Maybe the maybe the Sixers are actually better as a result of this. Because Maxie will now play point guard, so you'll get that for you. And Embiid now this is his team. Yes. Okay. What he said yesterday was his way of putting his stamp on this. Yes, and this saying, is my team. That's it. By the way, Ben, we don't really care if you come back. You caused all this, and now we're going to clean up your mess. So it looks like Shake is going to captain the second unit, and Tyrese is going to be the starter for everything. Um, and we'll catch up with Keith another time, obviously, with the Ben Simmons stuff blowing yeah, up. Yeah, so all the stuff we're talking about now... We all know this because of him, right? He'll probably be so, writing about more of it shortly. You can follow it up, Pompeii on Sixers. Actually, he's in the waiting room here, yeah. Jeff. We can we can put him in and, and put him up here, let him talk to us in a second. He's yeah. joining us. So. I, I, I'm guessing he's, we'll have about 10 seconds with him. 10 seconds of yeah. his time. He's, and he said, let him in. He's literally knocking at the door. I'm he's connect- knocking at the Zoom door. I connected the audio. Say hi to him, Jeff. Hey. You there? <laughs> there you there are. There he is. Hey, what's up? I, I told you this was tuxedo. We don't worry, Keith. We just had a whole Sixers conversation. We're all done. So, 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 Keith, look. I see you. <laughs> here, here's the problem. You know, we really don't need to have you that long because there's nothing to talk about, right? Not, not much going on in camp. Nah, it's nothing going on. It's just the uh, we're about to see this implosion. Is you know what it's like? It's like Appalachian State showing up at the big house. And showing them how what, to play football. Watch this. That's watch it, watch this. Now he's going to say he has to go. I, like he, that, he he literally got on just to take a I shot love at Michigan. How you it? always have a dynamite like <laughs> Michigan hit ready to go when we start. Exactly. So I mean, you know, but I'm not the one that took my son to the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that there should be questions about parenting there for that. But so, all right. So, so DHS can come get you. Look, <laughs> just for for everybody that anybody that doesn't know, you're getting most of the information from this man. So he. He's got to go back and he's got to go to work and he's probably going to have more information. So keep reading his articles and checking out his Twitter. But while we got you for this short time, we got to ask, 
did did Joel know what co- trouble he was going to cause when he said what he said yesterday? Oh, he was waiting for it. I mean, he was waiting for you. It was it was one of those things where, you know, I'm uh, I was working on another story, so I wasn't doing the daily. And Joel typically, um, you know, it was like the last question. Nobody, like, no one asked. No one asked it. And it was like they said one question left, and then I asked it. But typically, Joel was the type of guy. Like he's not always wanting to talk to the media or or to get you know do do his media obligation. Yeah, we like, don't you know, you, we don't usually though, get him at the way. end of practice. Yeah, some well yeah. So so all of a sudden Doc was talking and Joel was just standing there waiting. <laughs> oh, and everyone asked a question and then I'm like, well dang, uh, we need to find out you know because that that that's a. That's a question that people want to know, right? Yep. That's Keith, a Keith got more more source, sources calling him right now, man. It's always connected <laughs> so, to everything right there. So um, he says, I ask him, and he goes on for four minutes. Four minutes. And you're like, wow. You know, but you know what? Where, where, was was, where was Doc? Not, where was Doc when this? Where was Doc when as he so was? By as, that point, Doc was like in his office. Uh, or, you know, at first, he, yeah, he was in his office. Because it was the last question of mm-hmm. probably like a 10, 15 minute interview with him. And and that question went on for four minutes, you know? So, all right. Jo- Joel plants his flag there. We've seen all the stories about Ben Simmons. Is he going to hold out? What's he going to do? He's obviously not here. The Sixers had to pay him some money today. That's not going to happen, Keith? <laughs> oh, what they're doing is they're putting the money in escrow. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's a way like it it protects the Sixers from, let's say the Sixers paid Ben, but then they're like, hey, you didn't show up, you owe us this money. Well, since the money is in escrow, you know, they could just take it out, you know, and, 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 and use the fines to it. But see, the one thing that really goes on that people aren't really talking about, rarely are players, um, find like this like and 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 even when you do try to find them like let's say if they trade ben simmons to the sacramento kings right so ben's gonna look at the kings and be like look y'all want me right you know i'm supposed to be the star right so uh that money that the sixers uh find me you want to give it to me oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's how it normally happens you know um so you know but the problem is the problem with this is when you typically do this, um, there's typically a point of no return. Like the player may show up and that he's not going to play, but he may show up and the relationship is toward, like it's done. All right. So like teams, they, they threaten to do it, but they really don't do it. And now maybe with the escrow and they can put the money back in or, or do something like that. But um when this typically happens, you might as well say, I'm sorry, bruh. We love you. We do this and that, but you got to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's over. So, so did did they do this? Did they really have the, the beer muscles to do this on their own? Or was this pushed because of what Joel said yesterday? Did they sit there and say, that's it. What Joel said, he ain't coming back anyway, so we might as well not. I don't think that well has anything him. to do with it. This is something that they were doing. Uh, they were, they, they, they asked to do beforehand. I mean, they tried to do beforehand. Um, you know, I like, I guess, you know, right now, let's, let's say it's a matter of calling each other's bluff. And then you got to realize something. 
the NBA is looking at this saying, wow, we got a guy who just signed a max contract. After his first year, he wants out. And this can be impressive. And now beforehand, people forget like Jimmy Johnson or, or Jimmy Jackson, sorry, um, when he played for Dallas his rookie year, he held out until March. Now, again, he didn't sign a contract. He was holding out before contract negotiations. And then you have uh, Tristan Thompson and you have other guys with Cleveland who had contract um, extensions that they were waiting to sign and they held out. But you've never had a player who was under contract who who wanted out and uh, did this thing that the Sixers are doing. I mean, that Ben Simmons are doing. So with that being said, you got the league and the league is saying, you know what? We support you, Sixers. Like we don't because if, if they do this, if, if Ben Simmons gets away with it, then how many other players are going to do it? You know? All right. So I know you got to go soon. When Joel said what he said, what do you what are you hearing is the, was the reaction of his teammates? Are they all on board and are they just tired of this? Are they done with Ben? No, it's tough because they didn't have practice yesterday. And the only other person we spoke to yesterday was um, after that. Well, two other people was um, uh, George Niang and um, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Matisse Thibel. Um, you know what? I, I don't know if the teammates are sick and tired of it because I think like you got to realize everybody knew. See, what, what's coming? Like what I'm I'm writing a story and finding out that the Sixers were actually informed that this was going to happen prior to when they told us. Like, so Ben allowed, let them know that he did not want to be back. He told them that he did not want to be back. So, so I think everyone on the team knew it, you know, and that's part of the reason why he turned them down when they wanted to come out. Like, look, fellas, y'all knew about this three days after the season ended. So, you know, I, I think that when you have teams, yeah, some guys can be upset, but then there's also certain guys who say, look, you got the power to do this. Now, like, this is something else we got to realize. Nerlens Noel kind of sort of did the same thing when he elected to have surgery <laughs> and not play. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he's traded to the Dallas Mavericks. You know what I mean? So I think that this happens. No one's just never been as blatant as Ben Simmons is to say, Forget y'all, I'm out. Well, no doubt this story will keep blowing up, and Keith will keep following along, and it'll blow up just like your cell phone is over there, so we'll let you go since you're dinging away. We'll get you back on another time. Always appreciate the time. Appreciate the Michigan hate that you give Jeff uh, and everything well, else. only one of us appreciates that. <laughs> Follow at Pompey on Sixers and read you in the paper. Catch all the latest news. Thanks, man. All right, but guess what? Hell to pit, though. He's still a pit man. And it works <laughs> See, you always find that common ground. Way man. to save yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Keith, for hopping on. All Have right. a good one, man. All right, Jeff. So Keith's obviously got some other news coming there. Um, it just... <laughs> this is not going in a Well, good... you heard part of the news. Part of the news was is that Ben told them earlier. And so, again, you've said but the Sixers are not I... responsible. Yeah. Are they then, if they knew earlier and they didn't get something done? From what I've heard of players who say that they've played for Doc Rivers is is that Doc believes he can get you in a room and he can talk you into anything. Which is why they wanted to go to and, L.A. Yeah, and you and you hear the stories about even when he was with the Celtics. I heard Kendrick Perkins say that, like, you know, he had an issue with Paul Pierce, like, when they first got there. He got him in the office and they straightened it out. And so 
if Doc believes that's a mature thing to, uh, there's there's a sense of arrogance to it and confidence but there's also a sense of maturity that you think that if you can get in a room you can talk to somebody you can work something out the problem is nobody anticipated that Bennett is a at, at the at the ripe old age of whatever he is 26 or whatever it is is still so immature that he won't even talk to people like if his teammates say hey we want to come talk to you what would have been the harm of him saying look you're not going to change my mind but I'd love to see you I'll talk to you about it and at the end of it, look at them in the eye and say, hey, look, I got to do what I think is best, and that's it. That's what an adult does. And and for some reason, he can't act like an adult. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll hit the break. When we come back, Ed Hearn will join us, and we'll talk some baseball, and I'm sure that this Ben Simmons stuff will go on for a while. Stick mm-hmm. with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. And we're back. Jeffrey, ready to talk again? We're back on the air. Yes. No, normally you talk through the return of everything. <laughs> so I was just seeing, you know, you didn't kind of jump in on that. And so I was seeing if you were still participate, participating in the show today. I just wasn't sure what was going on there. Oh, I'm not going home now. What are you kidding me? No, you're very excited for this. We so, get an, we, I know we're, we're based in we're Philadelphia, in but we got, an, we got an 86 Met. And if you have not watched Once Upon a Time in Queens on ESPN, the four-part special on the 86 Mets, it doesn't matter whether you like them. Actually, you probably would like it more if you dislike them. Um, because, Explain because that to it, me. The, the drama of the season, it, it was, was so interesting. The story was so good, and there were such different personalities on it, and, and one of them is going to come on the show, and I believe he's there now. He's here now. Ed Hearn, are you with us? Yes, sir. How are you guys doing? Oh, um, doing fantastic. Got a little bit of an echo. If you could talk a little closer to the phone, we can hear you a little louder. For our listeners, World Series champion, former catcher, motivational speaker, author. Ed, thanks so much for giving a few minutes today. Yeah, you bet. How's that? Sounded good? Better that way? You sound great. Go ahead, Jeff. Why don't you kick this all off? So, Ed, I found in in one of my boxes, I don't know if you can see us. We're we're also doing this on Zoom. So, Ed, if you can see this, I'm going to hold something up and tell me if you've ever seen it before. I have not. I'm not on Zoom right now. Oh. You guys can put me on Zoom, but I can get on Zoom. It's all good, uh, Jeff. Jeff's holding up a record here for you. Yeah. So, so just so you know, I have a a fancy copy of the official record of the 1986 New York Mets. <laughs> um, These are the things that Jeff collects. Yes. Where where apparently y- you you learned to to be an air guitarist. Yeah, we watched the video, Ed. We, we've and and I. You guys are talking about the Let's Go Mets video. That's we, what we that's what are, we're talking about. Do you know that oh. that's actually an official part of your Wikipedia bio that you are known for your role in the '86 Mets video? Well, you have to find something I'm, I'm known for. <laughs> God, it's always good to be known for something. Jeff loved that team, though. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. We were just having a good time and. I guess there was a bat sitting next to me or something, and I just the song was we were getting into it. The guy, the the directors and producers saying, "Come on, you guys, get into it." Okay. <laughs> and, and apparently, yeah. and apparently, nobody held back. <laughs> uh, no, I weren't, we weren't. No, there's a group that held back very often. <laughs> 
So we'll, we'll get there. Uh, but we wanted to talk to you. For, first of all, there is news as far as catchers go. So originally on our show today, we were going to make this an all-catcher show. And and, w- and with you beforehand, we were going to have Pat Borders. But he had, a, he had a game to go to. So we're going to try to get him on another time. Um, okay. Another Royals catcher at one point. Uh, although that's not what he's known best for. But... Um, not there is known best for it either. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, it, there is another Royals catcher who is leading all of baseball in home runs this year, um, and it's only been done by one other catcher twice, Johnny Bench. And, and the reason I bring it up is because it made me think when I saw that today, how hard it is to play that position defensively and still bat. Can you explain to us, as, as a guy who, who's been through that, why it's so hard to be a, a defensive catcher, do that job, and then go up and hit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what he's done this year is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it is. I mean, that's because it, I mean, it hasn't been done. So, I mean, one or two other guys have been in that area, but I think he broke the record, didn't he? Um, am I correct in that? Home runs for catcher of the season? Yeah, yes. yeah he's broken yeah, it so far so, going into the last weekend. I mean, how do you beat Johnny Bench? I mean, that's incredible. Uh, and he did it. Let's not forget to mention that he has done that in a, um, a ballpark that is not a home run hitter's ballpark. And, right? Yeah. You know, you're, yeah, you're it's s- crazy. And, and, the, and you, you guys asked me about, well, why is it so hard for a catcher? Well, because a catcher is the most demanding job on the field. Our, our first responsibility is, is not hitting. In other words, our, our, the way our game works is, I mean, the outfielders stand in the outfield, and maybe they have not so much today, but, uh, you know, they're practicing their swing. They're looking at their swing in the outfield going, oh, I need to feel this or that. And, you know, you got, you know, you got other guys, um, you know, checking out tricks in the stands. <laughs> uh, catchers don't have the luxury of doing that. And it's the most demanding, and, and we are in charge out there. So our mentality is we have to take care of the pitcher, number one. That's our job. And that is that is an incredible job in that, you know, you've got, well, today you have 14 or 15 guys in pitching. Staff. Back when I played, it was 10 or 11. But let's just say it's 10 only. Well, you've got to, you've got to know not only the, the uh, makeup of these guys from a pitch selection and and not only what they are their best pitches but what are the best pitches going that game or even that inning because it can change throughout a game it can change from the time you go from the bullpen to the mound i've seen guys have the worst bullpen sessions that's because you that's why you see the starting catcher almost always uh catching the last part of the warm-up for the pitcher in the bullpen he goes out there and finishes him off that's to see to feel get a feel for what he's got well, oftentimes a guy will come in the game and he'll have absolutely nothing in the bullpen. And you're like, oh, long night tonight. And then all of a sudden the stats on. As a catcher, you got to know that. For Beyond that, what I think is what takes away from a catcher and his, and his hitting, uh, hitting prowess is the mental, the psychological knowledge. You don't need a psychologist to, to be a good catcher. I mean, you got to know not only what, what the guy has on the mound and pitches, but you got to know what his makeup is like. And, you know, they talk, you talk about leadership in business and, and leadership in families and leadership in, you know, that's a big word. But as a catcher, you know, leadership is is getting the best out of the people that you're leading. And as a catcher, you're leading mainly the pitcher for starters. 
you, and that takes an immense amount of mental, physical, and emotional toll. You're somebody who learned that leadership with their journey through baseball. You're actually a Phillies draft pick. You spent your eight years in the minors. You're actually the only person who won championships in four consecutive years at four different levels, three of them in the minors. Talk to us about your journey to the majors. We've, we've covered minor league baseball, the long bus rides. The, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was fabulous. I mean, I, I loved my journey in the minor leagues. <clears throat> it was, uh, I think it was one of the best parts of my life, although it was a challenge. You know, I was drafted in the fourth round by the Phillies back in 78. And, uh, you know, I went to a place called Helena, Montana. I mean, that's like 2,000 miles away from my home on the east coast of Florida. <laughs> and I went out there, and it was the first year they ever had a major league team. They treated like us, us like we were kings. I mean to tell you, they were so ecstatic. I mean, here's a bunch of, you know, northwest country folks, mountaineers, and here comes a bunch of ballplayers, and, and they were treating us like we were Hall of Famers. It was incredible. And who was your, uh, who was and, your roommate? <laughs> well, I had I had a couple roommates, but one of them was Ryan Sandberg, and Ryan and I Ryan and I ended up being co MVPs. Uh, Ryan got the players' vote, and I got the fans' vote at the end of the year. So that was pretty special. I led the team home runs, RBIs, and, and I was a serious prospect. I could throw, I could hit. Um, <clears throat> things were on top of the world, and then and then I went through a series of three injuries that cost me a year and a half, and you know I I went from being a prospect to a suspect with Phillies. <clears throat> I tore my ankle so bad that, that Dr. Marone, back then the Phillies doctor, told the, the organization that, that I may not walk again, let alone catch. So they they basically used me as a hitter, as a kind of like an organizational guy. You have guys in my leagues that are, you know, are prospects, and then you have most of the other guys are organizational guys. And you got to fill out a team, so the, the guys that you want developing can develop. And I was used to the first baseman, DH. And eventually, after oh boy, six years, uh, I said to I said to, to the Phillies, which is a great organization. I loved the organization back then. I said, look, let's be mad about this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a first baseman DH. I don't hit with that much power. I mean, I was you know I was a gap hitter, and in that year, I led the team in home runs and still am in the top eight or ten, I think, in in all of Helena baseball in the rookie league there. But um, uh, I said, you know, I got other things to do. I had to play at the West Point. I had Ivy League opportunities uh, for football and baseball. And so I had some sorts. And I just said, look, I'm not going to be these guys that dies in, you know, in minor league baseball. Because I feel like there's so much more I can do with life outside of that. So, you know, they said they, they, they were fine with that. And they, they understood that I didn't need them. And they really didn't need me. So uh, they sent me out shopping. And I signed with the Mets who gave me the opportunity to catch Fifty uh, percent of the time back in Class A ball when I had been to Double A with the, with the with the Phillies and uh, you know I started in Lynchburg, Virginia and that was just an unbelievable year. It's, that's where the Mets were beginning to build that that great group of guys. Uh, Doc Gooden had three hundred strikeouts, Lenny Dykstra. Oh, we had I don't know, countless guys playing big leagues off that team. And uh, you know the next year, as you guys mentioned earlier, I I happened to be a guy that won championship ring consecutive years at each level of professional baseball, the same organization. And, and people tell me that's not been done before. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I didn't bring that up, but <clears throat> I had some guys that were, uh, you know, with these, um, these historians in baseball uh, bring this up to me, like, well, not just in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it wasn't me. I mean, I mean, I contributed for sure. Uh, but, um, you know, it was a great run there 
with the Mets. And so that's why I have such fond memories of my roots. And, and and that run culminates with one of the things that was the impetus for us thinking about you, which is ESPN over the last few weeks has run a four-part series um, documentary on the 86 Mets called Once Upon a Time in Queens, which yes. for, for a lot of us brings back so many good memories. But also it, was, it, 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 it is one of the most complicated, complex group of individuals and diff- diverse group of individuals that you can picture on a team. And, and, and that's what, what made the special so good. But, but as somebody who was there, how do all of those different personalities mesh on a field and in a clubhouse? Well, we didn't win again. So, you know, I, I, you know I've done a lot of speaking with years and talking to corporate association. They want to know about leadership and teamwork and all that. Well, one of the things I believe in <clears throat> is you've got to have character. And we had, well, we had characters. <laughs> As you guys know, you know, we may not necessarily have much, you know, true character. I mean, we had, we had some really crazy individuals. And, uh, you know, for that one year, it was phenomenal. I mean, uh, I was a rookie on that team. I backed up Gary Carter. And, uh, you know, you asked me, how was that? <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, it was literally, I mean, I kept my mouth shut and did my job when called upon. But, um, man, I tell you, it was unbelievable that that team, uh, I, mean, I mean, we just dominated that year. Well, not only, not only did you dominate as, as hitters and pitchers, but apparently as, as uh, boxers. <laughs> because one, yeah, of the well, thing, one of the things I remember about that team that comes across in that special is, is that the, there were a lot of fights between the Mets and other players, uh, and sometimes it looks like amongst their own teammates. One of them, you weren't involved necessarily in the fight that I can tell, but as a result, this was a, this was a game against the Reds, uh, I think it was in July, that I remember that, that Ray Knight's thrown out of the game, Kevin Mitchell's thrown out of the game, you hadn't started the game, but Gary Carter, Davey Johnson's running out of players, so he moves him to third, he moves you to catcher, and Roger McDowell and Jesse Orozco are switching between right field and pitching. What, what was that experience that? like? Well, welcome to the 86 Mets. <laughs> Truly. Am, am, I, am I echoing for you guys right now? It's a little bit better, actually. It's well, that... okay. Well, I, 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 I turned you on. I can actually see you guys now. Oh, on, you can see on us. On my computer. There you so go. So I've got, I've got you guys on my, my phone here. You know, we're, on, we're online to the Zoom there, but I also have you... So I don't want to be sounding bad, but uh, I just want to let you know I can see you now. If, and I don't need to see, especially uh, one of you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Believe me, there's a reason I that we I think he's do, talking about me. <laughs> there's a reason we do a radio show. I remind people that regularly. Unfortunately, now they can see us on a Zoom, so they realize there's a reason we do a radio show. But what can I do about that? I resist it, but Jason keeps making me do it. Yeah, I make Jeff smile. Uh, but but so, so as... I, I think it's great. I think it's great. You can see you guys. I love the Zoom video interviews uh, i think they're great but uh sorry you can't see my beautiful face i'd be making you all look really good uh. <laughs> well as as a member of that team and as a rookie uh, i i can't imagine I, I would say text but we didn't have text back then or emails for that matter but um what do you write home about what do you call call your parents and say <laughs> oh you don't <laughs> not, like, in, not in my not in my family it's like when I, mean, I was raised i was raised by two very conservative uh straightforward uh uh going to church people 
And so, you know, honestly to tell you, uh, so um, uh, Perlman wrote that book, The Bad Guys Won. And I don't know if you read that. Yeah, but, but, but you know. Okay, well, that 30 for 30 was just a, a, the, a video of that book. And my, when my mom read that book, <laughs> she said, oh, my God, I would have had a heart attack if I known that was going on around you. <laughs> she didn't ask you to autograph it? <laughs> no, she did not. I doubt she kept it. Uh, and then they haven't, you know, it's strange now you bring it up. They haven't seen that 30 for 30 yet. And they got all kind of recording device and everything. But, you know, maybe there's a little paranoia. <laughs> they're worried about seen it. They're worried about you what know? they're going to find if they watch it. They're yeah, you might, want, you, you might want to, you might want to cut out their sports package. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, yeah. it's up to them. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I know that I held pretty strong in, in, in who I was as an individual. And, you know, I caught some flack occasionally about that. And, you know, uh, the book that Perlman wrote, uh, actually one of the, you know, when they have co-authors and other people do uh, the pre-reads and, and get quotes, uh, one of them about me was, uh, one that one was about me was, um, with the exception of, I can't quote you because I have it in front of me, but with the exception of uh, Gary Carter and that milk drinking ad, Angelic at her. Uh, the rest of the team is like the scumbags. I mean, that's the way the guy, that's what the guy gave the quote to Perlman. And I was like, okay, well, thank you. Angelic. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Well, that, uh, I guess that'll go over. But you know, one of the stories on a more serious note with, with regard to parents, I mean, we, we saw the story with, with Keith Hernandez and the complex relationship he had with his dad. Yes. But one of the oh. things that I had read about you and correct me if I'm wrong, I hope I'm not, but is is because Jason and I talk about fathers and sons and, and, and moms and sons and daughters and stuff like that a, a lot on the show and how sports is related to that. And, mm, and what yes. y- you happened, to, if I read right, your first major league home run was on Father's Day and your, fa- your parents had come to the game. If that's you know, accurate, tell, can you tell us what it was like to have that moment and have your parents there? You guys just don't have enough time. <laughs> for me, I, you know, I, I've got, I've got several podcasts I've been doing here and I honestly forgot what ours was about. And I briefly looked at you guys at the heart of sports. I'm thinking, I think these guys want the, you know, the substance that I'm about yeah. the heart and soul of life in sports. But you know, what, a, you know, there again, you guys start out with the ASICs, Mets and all and play. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm go with that too, but uh, you are so right. Um, baseball is such a great teacher of life. And, um, it is just, I mean, I could talk about that all day. My parents, you know, I, I didn't start with the team. I came up in, I think it was May 8th. And my, my parents flew out to see me. And I didn't play. I think I went on a West Coast road trip. No, I don't know. It was, it was quite a bit before I played. <clears throat> and they stayed with the team. It's crazy. I mean, it was probably 10 days and they're on the road with us. And then they came back on Father's Day. And, uh, to hit a home run on Father's Day, especially, you know, I mean, maybe some fathers and some athletes are so good that, or, or the athletes are so good that it doesn't matter if the dad's in prison or whatever, you know, they're going to make it. I wasn't that case. I mean, my, my parents, and particularly my dad's as it relates to sports, uh, you know, they, they went all out for us three kids, absolutely all out for us. They didn't have a, they had a mom and pop print shop and it just, for them to be there and then, a grounds crew guy, you know, retrieves the ball for me and gives it to me in the locker room after the game. And I'm able to give that ball to my dad after the game. I mean to tell you, that was so, oh, you are, you are dead on. I hope you bring me back when we can talk about 
fathers and youth sports and things of that nature. Oh. It's just huge for me. We, you we, have an we, open we, invitation yeah, to come uh, back. To Jeff and that. I, I have a, a four and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Jeff has a son who's at college now that he coached for like little league games. And so um, we will definitely have you back to talk more about that because that's a. Let a, me, a let me bring you the full circle of life if you've got time. Yeah. Can I, can I run, run with this story about the whole Mount Father's Day? So fast forward, and gosh, I'd have to look it up. I wrote a story about it, and it's just in my files. Uh, but I call it the circle life. And so I'm coaching my kids. And they're probably, gosh, they must have been about 10 at the time. And we always gave a ride to, to one of the better places on the team. And uh, we picked this kid up. Oh, I think it was a Sunday. We were in the last few games. And, uh, but on Saturday, we had played on a field that was, was way too small for our kids. Maybe they were 12. But they hit like four or five home runs on this, you know, smaller field than what they should have been on. And so I picked this kid up in the backseat. It's Cody, my son, named after Cody Carter, Cody Carter Hearn, and my and this kid Jake. Well, they got stuck talking about. I, they weren't talking to me. They were talking kind of quiet to themselves. And they're talking about, man, wouldn't that be great if we get um, get to be on that field again? Well, then Cody says, Yeah, man, Jake. You know what? This is Father's Day. And if we go on that field, I can hit a home run and give the ball to dad like he did for his dad back in 1986 when he's on the Mets. Nice. Well, it was just so sweet to be dropping in on that conversation up soon. We pull up to the field, we find our field, and no, it's like 480 to left and 560 to center. <laughs> I mean, huge. I mean, they had no chance of it. You're like, it's run. the thought that counts. <laughs> it was. It was a beautiful thought. So yeah. I'm sitting there uh, behind home plate. And my son comes up about third time, and he hits an absolute rocket to right center. And he ran a little better than me, but not much better. Yeah, he ran better than me. And he rounds the inside the park home run. And they come out and high-five. Well, there was no way anybody's hitting out of the park. They do that. A couple more innings later, they had their little meeting afterwards. So I was not actually coaching. Now I was sitting behind them playing in a little lawn chair. And I see Cody and Jake sprinting out of that after after game meeting, post game meeting, and they sprinted back to me. And Cody's got the ball in his hands, and he said, "Dad, it took me 20 years. Well, I went 20 years, but I wanted to be able to give you this home run ball like you did for your dad." Oh, I can only beautiful. hope to have that one day. It's yes, you know you you, you wait. You know, did you get to do that for your dad? Yeah, Did so Jason we, hit a home run? No, Jason was oh, like, okay, so oh, yeah. here, here's the deal. Jeff knows Jason's level of sports acumen uh, revolves around his ability to speak into this microphone. He's, he's had me <laughs> try out for basketball teams and other stuff and just embarrass myself. He won't be the one regularly. throwing out the first pitch if we go yeah, to someplace and do Jeff that. Jeff would be doing that <laughs> yeah, for us. You, you guys, for, for, for a couple of guys, you talk about what that often talk about the heart sports and, and really cool beautiful things you guys your bus chops pretty good well, we, we <laughs> have a good we have see, a good you to, keep leading me back into the sewer here with the mets and all to, that to <laughs> us sports is the gateway to everything else it's the relationships you have it's the people that you can touch and look it gave you a platform we've got like five more minutes so we'll definitely have yeah. you back on to talk more but i did want to ask you 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 end up writing a book about conquering life's curves you've overcome cancer and kidney disease. And I read somewhere that you, you actually got personal letters from people when you wrote the book telling you about the impact that the book had with your story on them. Again, the sports platform that gave you this, what's it like for you to be able to have that impact on people? All right. 
gentlemen, I, I mean, it's going to be hard to maybe hear this, but, you know, I, I came to Kansas City and traded for a guy named David Cohen. He didn't do anything. Nope, never and, heard of him. Baseball, and, you know, and, and that's all I've heard, the worst trade most city and all that sort of thing. And then I lose my, not only my career, but I lose my health in a big way. And we'll talk about that someday. But you go full circle to the point where <clears throat> I honestly tell you that that my baseball career was not the foundation to what I've been able to do since. It's battling, uh, battling in the depth of, of really, I mean, oh, you strike out four times in one game. All right, get your head out of your butt. Let's go. Let's talk about real life. I mean, I tell people all the time, from, I mean, a lot of great things. But I'll tell you one thing that I've come to. A little old man came up to me about 15 years ago when I was speaking. <clears throat> he said, Mr. Hearn, you have been from the penthouse to the outhouse and back. And I mean, you've been back in a big way. And I, he caught me off guard. I was like, well, thank you. I mean, oh, yeah, I guess that's good. But later, as, as time went on, I got to thinking about that. And truthfully, you said about baseball being a platform. You know, God may have allowed that ground ball girl to build Butler's legs for it. the sake of Ed Hearn having the opportunity to do what I have done off the field. Because it gave me a little bit of, a little tiny bit of name. I'm not a big name guy. I only got two, two letters by name. I'm only Ed. Right? I mean, his short career got, <laughs> got cut off by an injury, but, but by golly, I have learned that it's not the penthouse at the World Series of Life where you grow. You saw guys stop laughing at me, damn it, I can see you. <laughs> it, it's not at the penthouse of life. It's not at your World Series you grow. It's at the outhouse. Yeah, it's when you're in the depths that you, you learn about yourself, you learn about other people, exactly. and, and you learn about the people that that you've been able to influence along the way. And look, we would love to to keep talking to you. Unfortunately, we'll have to cut it for today because we have the end of the show. But I mean, we would love to have you back. This is what sports is about. It's about the lessons people learn and the relationships they make and the life they can build afterwards. So we're thrilled for you. You've been able to, to build that. And we definitely would love to talk to you some more going forward. Absolutely, man. No problem at all. I enjoy talking to, to not only people like you, but but really your audience. Uh, because today, uh, today, you know, my speaking slowed quite a bit, and that that was the juice of my life. I mean, I take 30, 40 pills a day, but you let me make a difference in somebody else's life because of where I've been, nothing better, no better medicine for Ed Hearn than that. Yeah, and, we, and we've talked to a lot of people who have written books, and, and for people that don't know, he has written a book called Conquering Life's Curves, and it, if you can, where can you get that book still? Oh, you can go on Amazon or, you know, you can get it for a buck 99, you know, on the old use section or, or, or send, send 20 bucks to the other www.bottomofthenight.com.org. Yeah, we're, uh, whatever. We want to have you back one day to talk about that too. We're going to have yeah, to, you bet. to leave it here, but Jeff, I'll let you get the last word. With I, I, I got to ask one question and hopefully we can talk to you about it again. So the Astros, another current event, Astros, um, win the division again we know that they're cheaters but did they che did they cheat in 86 <laughs> of course, of course. I, I i i mean i give you the picture do you have the ball still he has a bag yeah, of balls yeah. <laughs> I, well i can only find one right now they got when they did that 30 for 30 the producer kept calling me and he's like uh, i told him i said man i've got a sanitary sock of those of those balls you know the mike scott thing and and then he kept calling me and calling me calling me find those balls find the balls i said finally he called me one time and, and, you know, he's after me about, did you find the ball? So I said, 
dang it, dude. All you do is you call me about my scratched balls. <laughs> and, I, ain't do, I ain't doing the interview, so forget it. <laughs> and on that note... Uh, Ed, Ed, thank you so much for coming on. We really do want to have you back to talk more about fathers and sons, and there's so much that people can learn from you. We, we appreciate the time and uh, wish you the best of luck and look forward to talking again soon. Absolutely, guys. You guys keep swinging in the meantime. Thank you so much. Jeff, what a cool uh, interview to, to have there, uh, to talk to him, to hear his story. He's a, he really is an inspirational guy. I mean, I'm not the Mets fan like yeah. you are, uh-huh. were, and that, like that, so like that part of it. But like, we learned so much about the people that we talked to, and his story is just one that's inspiring. We went a yeah, little bit if over. So, if somebody would have said a half hour would be would be too little, it was. It definitely yeah. was. Any last thoughts? Because we got to sign off. Uh, I I don't think I could say anything better than what I just said. That's the best way you can close. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.